Tired of asking why? Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast, where we are answering life's most difficult questions. Now, here's your host, Teresa Blaze. I'm Teresa Blaze, and this is the Unresolved Life Podcast. And today we have a very special show. I've talked about him enough. Uh, he's been a sponsor of our show for enough. But today we get the man in the flesh, Mr. Bradley Hop of Tashua Tea Company. And we are doing this podcast. Uh, when this goes out, it'll be the day after. But as of this recording, today is actually World Trafficking Day, like World Sex Trafficking Day. And it's meant to bring awareness to the scourge that is human trafficking. When I found out about it, I thought, okay, there's two people that I can think of. One you guys already know is Kelly Patterson. I've, we've interviewed her before. And the second one was Brad. So, Brad, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Teresa. How are you today? You know mm. what? I'm, I'm good. God's still on the throne and everything else is negotiable. You, sir, have been doing a few things since last we spoke. Yeah, we have. Why don't you give a little introduction to uh, Tashua Tea, Liberty Unveiled, and all that good fun stuff, and let's kind of um, tell the audience who you are in case maybe some have don't know you. Okay. So Tashua Tea Company is a partnership between myself and a missionary to Asia, communist Asia, behind the bamboo curtain named Andrew. And uh, for his security, I don't talk about his last name or what country he works in. Uh, because the conditions are dangerous, uh, especially for Christians. Um, but anyway, Andrew and the team, uh, uh, aside from all the other work that he does with leper villages and orphanages and, and so on and so forth, uh, he and the team actually rescue underage girls out of sex trafficking. Five years ago, I believe, uh, he led a brothel owner to the Lord. Uh, that gentleman set all of his girls free, uh, gave them all bus tickets back to their home villages, gave them all a severance package and set them free. And then he turned around and started actually helping Andrew actually rescue Andrew and the team, rescue more girls. Um, so that's really like John Gotti or Al Capone getting saved and, and uh, becoming a Christian. I mean, he's part of the, the Asian mafia. And, and as you know, the mafia is not wants to be screwed with, so to speak. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so what the way, a a rescue mission works is we get the girls out of the brothels, which are karaoke clubs. Uh, we have the layout ahead of time. We know what, what, where, all that kind of stuff. When we wait till, um, the patrons, the security guards, the girls, everybody gets drunk. They, the security guards run around all night long, handing out, handing out drinks to the patrons and to the girls while they're drinking the whole time too. And so we wait for everybody to get sauced. And, and then we have two guys, since they're karaoke clubs, you can go in and sing and spend the evening singing. And so our guys go in and spend the evening singing and stuff. And, and then they wait for everybody else to get sauced. And then we run in and, and create more of a diversion after they've started a fight in the middle of the hallway. Uh, we go in and create more of a diversion and, and uh, start grabbing the girls and carrying them out and we've got a female staff in the van and we we go in and and uh the female staff explains to the girls what's going on what's happening uh do you want to come with us and get out of this horrible situation and stuff and we've had 100 percent of the girls have said yes 
Um, so we get them out of there. We get them to our rescue and rehab facility where we meet all of their needs. We, when they come to us, they literally come to us with whatever clothes they have on. And, and so they come with nothing. So uh, we get them all new clothing. We get them uh, shelter. Uh, we get them medical care. Whenever we do a rescue, the aftercare or the initial rescue, you know, only costs like $500 to, to pull off the rescue mission, but it's the aftercare stuff that is expensive. And so just that initial um, food shelter or the food, the clothing, uh, toiletries, medical care, that costs about $2,000 a, a girl when we do the rescues. And then we get them into the rescue and rehab facility where they, all of their needs are met. Then we teach them, we give them um, an education because most of them are illiterate or have had very minimal schooling. So we teach them to read and write, do their math, all that stuff. But then we're taking it a step further. We actually are teaching them work crafts and skills like making bracelets, making coasters, how to harvest and process uh, world-class teas and coffees, how to run a tea shop, how to run a CNC machine, how to do all these different things so that they develop a work ethic. They learn how to, you know, psychologically it helps rebuild them because they start seeing that they have giftings and skills that they can take into the marketplace. And, and it helps them see that people actually value the products and the crafts that they're making and stuff. So that rescue house is called Teshua house. And then Teshua tea company is the, you might say the marketing arm of Teshua house where we actually buy the products from the girls that they're making. And then we bring those products stateside and are selling them over here to economically empower the girls. So they've already been paid for the products up front. And then we're bringing the products stateside and are selling them over here. And then a hundred percent of all donations and 50% of the profits are actually going back to the rescue facility to care for the girls. So it's really a, almost like a triple whammy. They've been paid for their work that they've done. And then, half the profits are going back to the, to maintain the facility and to rescue more girls and to care for them and, and all that. And then the donations, a hundred percent of that's going back to it too. When you actually go in and you're rescuing these, these, these beat up girls, how does the government or local authorities take to that? Are they aware of it and do they condone it? To our knowledge, uh, we have circumstantial evidence that would indicate that they may know or that at least a, a few of them know, but by and large, no, they don't. And, and I can't imagine the danger that Andrew and his team are put in on a weekly basis because they're defying the social order. It really does come down to that because, so example, uh, January 22nd of this year, uh, Andrew and, and six or seven of his Bible school students were praying uh, and they, they, as they were in prayer, they really felt like the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go north of town, get in the car and go north of town. And Andrew kind of argued with the Holy Spirit a little bit, you know, as most of us do. He's like, God, I don't know anybody north of town. Why, why, what am I? But he obeyed. And that's the key is he obeyed, whether he knew where he was going or not. And so he and six of his Bible school students, uh, piled into his SUV and, away they went down the tollway and, and they got 50 miles north of town 
and they're praying the whole time. And one of the Bible school students says, speaks up and says, Hey, I think we're supposed to get off at this exit. So they got off on this exit and they took a side road that paralleled the tollway for 15 miles. They went past this little gravel two track and, and one of the Bible school students speaks up and says, Hey, I think we're supposed to turn around and go back to that, to that road. So they followed that road for three miles. So they're 68 miles out in the middle of nowhere, pretty much. As they're driving down this, this back country road, uh, they pull up in front of this really ornate gate and, and that's where the Holy Spirit told them to stop. And, and this 90 year old uh, elderly gentleman uh, comes out of the house and, or walks up to the gate and he really gruffly says, what's your business here? And uh, he and, and he and Andrew are conversing and stuff, and Andrew's trying to figure out what the heck to tell the guy uh, as to why they're there. And about that time, the guy's son-in-law comes up walking out of the house and sees Andrew and stops dead in his tracks because it's not every day you see an American there. He instantly recognized Andrew, and he Andrew's looking at the at the uh, the son-in-law, and he goes, "I know, I should know you from somewhere, but he goes, I don't know where." And the guy says, well, you, you met me in my office a year ago. And Andrew's like, oh, yeah. And the light bulb finally came on, and, and uh, he realized that it was a brothel owner that he had met a year ago uh, and shared the gospel with. And, and the guy was not ready to accept the Lord. And, you know, they had a very civil conversation, but the guy was not ready to accept the Lord and stuff. And at the time, well, now, fast forward a year, you know, to January 22nd of this year, and here's Andrew standing right in front of the guy and the guy goes, or he knows that Andrew has no idea where his in-laws live. He knows that he has absolutely no clue as to how to find him. He realizes that there truly is a God and that God really had his number. And so the brothel owner got saved. His, his father-in-law and mother-in-law both got saved. They all got baptized. They all got their first Bible that day. Uh, they all came to the, to you know, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, um, and the brothel owner actually called his business manager back in town and said, Hey, get the girls ready to go. We're, we're setting them all free tonight. And, uh, somebody's going to come by and pick them up. So we, we already had 20 girls in the rescue house. So then we got 20 or excuse me, eight more that night. So now we had 28 and, um, plus two female staff. It called, Cost you two thousand dollars per girl. That's another. If I'm thinking right, that's sixteen more thousand dollars that you had to that you guys had to put out to rescue those. I mean, that's guys. This is why we're partnering with this company. To let you know, it costs sixteen dollars and sixty seven cents. I believe. Uh, I'm if I'm if I don't have that number right, I'm off by like two cents. It's like sixteen sixty five a day to to house care for, feed, electrical, staff, all of that stuff. Uh, that's what it costs, $16.67 per day per girl that's in the rescue house. So over the course of a month when we had 20 girls, it cost us $10,000 a month to, to uh, $10,148 uh, a month to care for the girls. So then January 22nd, we rescued another eight. But then just um, three weeks ago, I believe it was three weeks or a month ago, a brothel owner somehow through the grapevine found out about us. And, and uh, because of COVID and because this karaoke club had been shut down for the last six months, he, uh, he had been having to cover all the expenses for his 13 girls. 
and was not in a position to do that anymore or wanting to do that anymore. So he surrendered 13 girls to us. So we went from 20 at the beginning of the year to what, 40, 42, 41, 41. When you actually get these girls in, what state of mind are they usually in, assuming they're not drunk out of their gourd? Well, once they sober up, obviously they've been abused and they have a lot of trauma. One of the stories on our, uh, we actually tell this young lady's story on the website, and she uh, had been uh, held prisoner for three years and molested every night, um, multiple times a night. Uh, If I remember right, it was three years. But she had not had a solid night's sleep in three years. And when she when she came to the rescue facility for the first 27 or 28 days, uh, and I apologize, I'm going off the top of my head. It's been a busy week so far. Um, she didn't have a solid night's sleep that first 27 or 28 days while she was in our rescue facility. Uh, would wake up with night terrors and, and horrible nightmares and dreams and visions and whatnot. And and um, on day 28, she decided to put her faith in Christ. Uh, we don't make the girls do this, uh, but most of our girls have chosen to put their faith in Christ. They see the older girls that have been around for a while, and they see the transformation in them. And so as they, as they get settled into the house and stuff, they, they start conversing, and they really start to see the transformation in the older ones. And so a lot of the younger ones will the newer girls will will choose to put their faith in Christ. And, and she did. And that night she slept peacefully for nine hours. She had the best night's sleep she had in three years. Uh, and so it was a radical transformation. And a lot of the girls, um, as I said, we don't force them to do it, but a lot of the girls choose to put their faith in Christ. And the cool thing that happens is they actually end up getting to a place where they actually pray for the guys that were abusing them, the guys that were the Johns, the guys that were the pimps, the guys, you know, they get to a place where they actually pray for and, and believe for these guys' salvation. Pray for your enemies when they spitefully use you. Exactly. And they're walking that out. I, I, I just could not imagine that. That just is unreal. And that last story to me, it really shows the power of God. It really shows what he can do. Well, you know, going along that line, Teresa, you know, showing what God can do. So um, one of our girls graduated our program last year. Now, a lot of NGOs, a lot of uh, trafficking organizations, and I'm not here to bash on them, but I do want to make something very clear and and explain the difference between our aftercare program and a lot of of, uh, rescue facilities and and or – uh, groups in their aftercare program because a lot of times they will get the girls rescued, give them a little bit of care, and then they then they uh, let them go and send them back out into the world. Especially governmental organizations, you know, they'll get the girls rescued and they'll send them home. Well, oftentimes home was you know if not the very place that got them trafficked in the first place, it was it was the very place that led them to being trafficked in some way, size, shape, or form, whether it be abuse or whatever, and they ran away from home or whatever. And so our philosophy is not to send them back. You know, they can go back if they want to, but our philosophy is take the long-term approach. Uh, The youngest girl that we've rescued was 11. So a lot of these girls are going to be with us for a long time, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years, you know, 
Uh, now, if they start getting to be 30 years old and they're still in the nest, so to speak, yeah, it's, it might be have time to have a, have a little uh, conversation, you know, been with us 20 years, it might be time to leave the nest a little bit. But just to show you the power of this, so as I said, we teach them to read and write, we teach them to do their math and all this stuff. So because most of them are illiterate and, and way behind in school. So this young lady graduated our program a year ago, and she actually um, passed all of her high school classes. She uh, learned to read and write. She uh, passed her insurance classes, and now she's a licensed insurance agent living on her own and has her own place. And, and to go from being the lowest of the low traffic, used and abused, degraded, humiliated, to now having your own business and, and being a, a licensed insurance agent in, to me is a pretty spectacular turnaround. That is absolutely incredible. But Tashua House isn't all that you're up to, is it now, Brad? You you have started a uh, podcast on, and, and guys, you can actually find this on the Unresolved Podcast Network. You want to talk about Liberty Unveiled and uh, what that's about? So Liberty Unveiled is um, the podcast arm of Tashua House and Tashua Tea Company. Liberty Unveiled, really, we, we dive into the latest trafficking news. We dive into the stories of the girls more in depth. We have had Andrew on. And then we're actually tying that into or tying in the freedom that the girls are experiencing. We tie that into America's freedom and foundation. And, and we look at the... Because really, it all comes down to the Bible, and, and the biblical foundation that founded America is the same biblical foundation that is freeing these girls and setting them free and setting them on the trajectory to be uh, mighty, I, mighty warriors for the kingdom. And and so uh, we really tie that all together, um, and we just try to keep. I don't ever want to go as uh, CPA on people, you know the the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty. The animals or ASPCA, I guess it is. Sorry. You know how they always have the sobbing story, you know, the poor doggy in the, in the kennel and, and the tearjerker. I don't ever want to to be that. I don't want, you know, yes, these girls have had trauma. They've had degradation. They've had all those things. Yes. I understand that. But our philosophy with Tashua is our tagline for Tashua is world-class products from world-class survivors. The premise of the show and the premise of the tagline, the premise of the business is that, yeah, they went through this, but that's not where they are. And I want people to walk away from the podcast. I want people to walk away from the website, you know, the Tashua Tea Company website, having a sense of hope and, and, optimism because you know we live in such a dark world that that I really want people to understand that yeah there's this darkness out there but there's something we can do about it and and I actually share this story on the podcast I think I've shared it at least once if not twice there's this little boy and he's standing on the beach one day and and in the it's low tide and there's just thousands of starfish down the beach as I was hearing the story and then relating it one day it dawned on me I'm like we have these bracelets that, that the girls have made that have starfish on them. And all of a sudden these bracelets became like, just like such a powerful picture to me of the overall mission. And so this little boy standing there on the beach and he's, 
he's throwing these starfish back as fast as he can get them back into the water. He's trying to get them back in before they die. And this elderly gentleman walks up to him and he says, you know, son, what are you doing? And he says, well, I'm trying to save the starfish. And the elderly man looks down the beach and he sees thousands of starfish all the way down the beach. And he goes, son, you're not going to make a difference. And the little boy looks down, thinks about it for a second, picks up a starfish, looks at it for a minute, chucks it back into the water. And he goes, I made a difference in that one, or I made a difference to that one. And, and that's the thing, you know, maybe we haven't rescued thousands of girls yet, but we've made a difference in 60, 63 girls' lives, you know, and we're going to keep doing that. And we've, you know, uh, there's other things that are coming into play now um, that we actually had an uh, interview this week that we talked to a friend of ours named Judd Saul, who's another missionary. Uh, he's actually working in Nigeria. We have a couple of the missionaries that we're working with too, but ultimately, you know, maybe we're not getting to the thousands right away, but we can make a difference in, in 20 or 40 or eight or, you know, 63 and we can keep going and we can make a bigger difference and a bigger difference and a bigger difference. And, and when, when these girls come out of the rescue facility and they can look around and go, look at the transformation of my life. When they when they reach that point where they can look and go, look at the transformation of my life, and now I'm out of the rescue facility and I'm on my own, and I want to go back and work for the rescue facility, and I'm going to help rescue more girls. Now, think about how dangerous they're going to be to the enemy. They have the transforming power of Christ. They know the source of that freedom. They know the source of their deliverance, and and they know the method of their deliverance, and they know the method that the aftercare program and they know how it best works and they're going to be able to take that hope and that deliverance and that freedom and that, that courage and all those things that tie into it. They're going to be able to take that into the, into the, into the environment and, and set that free on the, on the world. What do we need to know about work, about trafficking in the sense of, we know it's an evil. We know, know what's happening. What do we need to keep our eyes out for? If you see girls that look like they're being controlled in some way, size, shape, or form, uh, they and and some of this takes a little bit more observ- observation. You know, they don't control their own money. If if they look like they're always having to answer to somebody, you know, obviously truck stops are a huge a huge avenue. But there's other things going on in America too, like karaoke clubs and. Um, a lot of your seedier uh, massage parlors, you really need to be paying attention to your children and what they're what they're doing online, especially right now, because there's been a huge uptick in um, online trafficking and sexting and so on and so forth that's been happening during this whole COVID thing. And so people need to really be aware of what's what what are your children doing online and. Um, I don't have it done yet, and we're working on putting together a booklet that will talk about, you know, what are the signs? What do we need to look for? Uh, I'm just going through them, kind of hitting the high spots right now, but that's some of the things is that people need to just look and see what um, what are your kids doing online? Who are they talking to? Uh, you need to be aware if they have Snapchat uh, or apps that that will do like Snapchat where it's you get like 30 seconds or a, or a minute of, of viewing the post and then it disappears. Snapchat is a trafficker's paradise. 
what about TikTok and uh, Instagram mm-hmm. and whatnot? And those get look okay, mm-hmm. okay, very interesting. Okay. Um, and then if someone wants to kind of help you guys out and get involved, what can they do? One, help us spread the word. I mean, tell people about the Liberty Unveiled podcast. It's libertyunveiled.com. Um, they can go to, we've actually set it up in, in like three different ways that they can help. So actually four, I guess, if you count Liberty Unveiled. So there's the Liberty Unveiled podcast. But then we have um, teshuatea.com, which is uh, dot com. Or I've made it simple for people and they can just go to deliverancetea.com because the name Teshua actually means deliverance. So you can go to deliverancetea.com. It'll take you right to the Teshua site and you can go to the donate page and you can, you can choose to donate right there. Um, buying some of the products. I always try to stress to people that buying the products is the girls are working very hard to create fantastic products. I've had tea shop owners uh, literally look at us and go, they, they had tried uh, one of the highest grade teas that we carry, which is our 500 year old uh, ancient tree tea cake. She had gotten to try some of that tea and she goes, this is, I'm, I've tried a lot of teas in my time and this is the best one I've ever tried. Uh, so the girls are making a very good product. Um, so you're already buying like Judd Saul and I were talking the other day on our podcast you're already buying tea someplace. You're already buying coffee someplace. And if you're buying Starbucks lattes, you're paying anywhere from five to $6 a day. If you're stopping there every day, you're paying five or $6 a day for something that is going to support abortion, going to support Planned Parenthood, going to support the anti-Christian movement. Okay. So if you're, if you're talking 20 workdays in four weeks, you're spending a hundred to $120 a month on coffee a month. Why not take that and and buy two bags of Teshua coffee that's fresh roasted, shipped on demand, and and it's it's a limited the the Thai coffee that we have actually comes from another missionary friend of ours, but it's it's um one of the world it's one of the world's best coffees. Uh, it's not bitter. You can leave it on the coffee pot for five hours if you forget about it, and it'll still not be bitter. Um, uh, you know, it's just. It's a really world-class coffee, and it's very limited. If you look at Black Rifle Coffee Company or you look at some of the other, some of the other um, uh, specialty coffee roasters, their coffee is going to run anywhere from $15 to $18 a bag. Ours is a $15 a bag. Um, there's three or two other sources that I know of for the Thai coffee in America. It's not something you're going to go down to your local Five and Dime and find uh, Thai coffee. It's just not going to happen. Um, so it's a very rare coffee, you know, and half the profit from it is going back to help the girls. So, you know, if you bought two bags a month, that's $30, take the other $70 or $90, whatever, and choose to donate it or, uh, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. Brad is a top notch guy. So is Andrew. And the ministry that they run think about this i mean how many times do you hear stories about uh pedophilia rings getting busted up sex trafficking rings getting busted up over in this communist asian country 
They are boots on the ground. They are right in the thick of it, and they are saving these girls from a hellhole. Right. Uh, just in the last now almost 40 days, uh, there's been some really big news that people have not been paying attention to and, um, and watching. Uh, Florida had six men arrested and five uh, women rescued from trafficking ring. Uh, and I'm just pulling these off the top of my head. Um, there was uh, Germany had 30,000 uh, being investigated, 100 and 116 uh, arrested in a trafficking area in 1,458 or 1,498 victims were rescued um, in Germany. There was a French man was arrested for raping over 300 young girls. Uh, This is just within the last 30 days. Um, The Netherlands uh, busted a trafficking ring when when Dutch police discovered uh, torture chambers someplace. Um, and I don't remember how many they rescued there. There was a California man busted for operating uh, some $21 million um, international trafficking websites. Pennsylvania had eight, eight people arrested for trafficking. I mean, I, and I can't even remember all of them. It literally took three pages of um, double spaced just to cover the trafficking news in the last 30 days. And I think that that is a good place leave it. I think that's a very good call to action. The Liberty Unveiled podcast is a part of the Unresolved Podcast Network. You can find that at unresolvednetwork.com. Uh, there you'll also find some uh, other shows that we're doing. Um, you'll find the, the, the flagship show here. You'll find the Teresa Blaze show and um, a couple other shows we've got some spaces for that uh, I'll be talking about later on. But uh, Brad, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your work in uh, fighting this this issue that, that no one likes to talk about, but we all have to deal with. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, you are very welcome. Um, guys, would you do me a favor? Um, if you've gotten any kind of value out of this podcast, would you rate, subscribe, and review it? Uh, so that others can learn more about Unresolved and learn about what we do. And uh, um, I am just really, really glad to see what God is doing. God is doing some amazing stuff. I can't wait to share with you. Um, needless to say, we got a few things up the, uh, we got a few things that we're working on. And I am just, oh, gosh, I'm really excited. So I'll end it here. Hey, thank you guys so much for your ear time. I'm Teresa Blaze. This is the Unresolved Life Podcast. We will speak again next time. You've been listening to the Unresolved Life Podcast. To catch all our past shows, go to unresolved.life. That's unresolved.life.